0: Welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Party. I'm Charles, your host, and before I get started about all of the Windows 11 developments, let's roll the intro. So for those of you who have, I don't know, watched or if you've been staying up to date with technology news, Or whatnot then you've probably heard by now that Microsoft has officially acknowledged Windows 11. Now before I get started with everything I do want to note out a couple of things. On the last episode I mentioned that I've entered into a podcasting competition and there are quite a few prizes up for grabs. Now by voting for Charles Weekly Party in this competition, you'd help make us eligible for the People's Choice Award, because whoever gets the most votes wins that award, and any of the prizes will greatly help, not only me, but it will help you, because right now I don't necessarily have the ideal microphone for recording, so getting a better microphone would certainly make the audio quality better for you the listener which is why I'm doing this. I'm not recording a podcast for me. I'm recording it for you guys. So if you want to try and help make it better that way right now for free you can vote and the vote doesn't because it doesn't cost you anything. All you need to do takes a minute of your time. You can go to our Twitter page or the Facebook page. Our handle is Weekly Party. So go there, you'll see the, um, it'll be the third thing down on how to vote for us in the competition. But enough about that. It's time for the, uh, excuse me, the content that has you subscribed. So normally I do split up the episode talking spending half the time talking about architecture and half the time talking about technology or some similar breakdown. But there are a few episodes where that I call either archisodes or techisodes where I focus on one or the other. So for this episode, it's going to be a techisode because I'm covering the June 24th event revealing Windows 11. Now. If you did tune in for the architecture portion of it, I promise you, the, while the Windows 11 stuff may not seem like a big deal, the future of technology is important because architecture nowadays is heavily reliant on technology whether you want to accept it or not. And focusing on the technology upgrades of tomorrow will also help us realize the architecture upgrades for tomorrow. I guess the best way to start this off is by saying that this is a big reversal from the original standpoint that Microsoft took of Windows 10 being the last version of Windows ever. When Windows 10 was announced to be the last version of Windows, um, it's basically transitioning to a subscription thing. Except, you buy the license for Windows once, and that license carries you through to the subsequent versions of Windows. But, there's a catch. Now that they've announced uh, Windows 11, what does that mean for Windows 10? And why did they basically do a turn-on-heels reversal from what they did before? Well, doing a little bit of poking around on Microsoft's website, I was able to find out the declared reason for transitioning to Windows 11. So according to Microsoft, because computers are getting more capable and other, there are other software upgrades and hardware upgrades that are happening that Windows needs to occasionally reflect or upgrade a version to reflect the changes in technology that have been occurring. Because if you re- if you remember the very early days of computers, um, three, what do you call it, megabytes of storage, or drives with 50 megabytes of storage were game changers. That was considered a, what, that was... The equivalent of a multi-terabyte drive today, and what's absolutely amazing, what's I guess interesting to say is that as technology has gotten more capable, we've made software that's able to better handle it. So, in order to avoid confusion with upping the requirements to run um future editions of windows they've created a new version to best or to separate the system requirements and realistically speaking that makes a lot of sense so what i think they're so from to the best of my knowledge what they're doing is creating a different sort of standpoint so instead of windows 10 Itself being the last version of Windows, the Windows model is switched to a new model. So Windows 11 will basically be continuing the Windows as a service trend, but it will also be creating separation of, or creating a separating line between some of the newer hardware and some of the older hardware. One of the greatest things about Windows 10, is that when it was first created, it could run on basically anything that could run Windows 7 or Windows 8 or 8.1 smoothly. However, whether or not that was the smart thing to do remained up to the user, because some Windows 7 devices didn't necessarily run Windows 10 exceptionally well. But what Windows 11 is doing is separating, is creating that separation because they've, up, they've upped the requirements and quite a few of my devices that I currently have running Windows 10 will not actually be compatible with Windows 11. So now that I've talked about the reasoning behind Microsoft's decision and the fact that there are a number of laptops and desktops that aren't going to be able to switch to Windows 11. What's so great about it? Well, in their event which was I guess mo- moderately exciting, it I think they could get they could strive to get a little bit closer to Apple's level of hype during the events, but um for for what it was, it wasn't it didn't have me uh, switching to doing something else while I was watching the event. I did check the uh, time a couple or at a couple of points during it, but I do that once I do that once or twice with apples as well. So it wasn't stone cold boring, but it wasn't an over the top sit down for it live event. And toward, towards the end of the episode today, I'll also mention a couple of the, I guess, jabs that Microsoft took at the competition, which is to be expected because they are, they are trying to compete with the other, I guess, both compete and work with the other um, technology giants. And I'll, I'll go over that a little bit more at the end. Lastly, I'm going to um, point out that if you want to see the best of the event, then I, I'd suggest um, by all means doing that. There are quite a few other YouTube videos that can give you the that um, give you the cut and dry of some of the biggest changes, of course, in the eyes of the editor to Windows 11. First of all, Microsoft has always been pretty good with window snapping. And when I say pretty good, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, they patented certain pieces of that, which is why Apple hasn't been able to do it. And I get that's one of the entertaining things with competition is that each of the... Um, Each of the tech giants has their hand of cards, and if you don't hold that card, you have to work with someone else, or bite your tongue and work around the fact that you don't have that card. But they've made it a little bit better. So now with Windows snapping, it isn't just... And when I say Windows snapping, I can tell you from Windows 7 at least, I'm not 100% sure if Vista supported all of it, but I know with Windows Seven, at least, you could so you could snap Windows to one side of the screen or the other quite easily, so that the window is taking up half the screen. Once we got to Windows Ten, we have we the ability came in for you to put a window towards the upper part of the screen or the lower part of the screen, thereby sort of breaking your screen into quadrants. And if you have something like a twenty-seven inch monitor that can be quite useful because an application doesn't necessarily need to take up the entire screen you can have it pretty useful there but now they've taken it a step further and introduced things that make it more easy or make it so that it's easier to create or to choose a layout and put windows into that layout so definitely looking forward to be able to use that in the future and to make things better they've made the operating system a little bit more touch friendly which is pretty important because microsoft is well known for the or yes yeah, microsoft is well known for the surface lineup which is part of their 2 in which is a 2 in 1 so you can have either a laptop or a tablet depending on your mood at the moment or what you need to do and other manufacturers have similar offerings as well but they've made it so that they got rid of touch mode or what do you call it tablet mode and they've just made it so that certain adjustments are automatically made when the device recognizes that it's going into a touch primary state of operation so what that means is if you have a convertible laptop I guess the best way to put it is laptop mode is when you have the laptop open you have the screen the keyboard and the trackpad there that's your sort that's your um, keyboard and mouse primary input anytime that you're using let's say a Windows tablet or you have a convertible laptop and you flip it over so that it's set the keyboard and the trackpad are on the uh, ground or on the table or something that's touch first input so adding greater optimization spacing things out more so that when you're using the touch mode or so when you do or to put the device into a state where it's in a primary touch environment then it will automatically adjust and i like i kind of like having that feature i know i've seen it appear on Windows uh, 10 more recently, so that's carrying over, which is pretty good. But just spacing things out a little bit makes life a lot easier. Another thing is with these window snapping features, they've also created sort of layout groups. A layout group doesn't necessarily sound like a big deal, but realistically speaking it is. To the people who only operate a single monitor all the time. This may not be as big of a deal. It will help you out in a couple of aspects, but if you use a mo- if you have a laptop that you regularly dock and undock, trust me, this is going to be a game changer. Previously, when you undocked a second display, or I shouldn't say previously, because it's still the current situation. Right now, when you, if you have a laptop, you plug it into another display and you set it to extend that display, or make it set, that extra screen is an extra screen that you can use. You can drag applications over to the other window, open things up, and move it around, create a layout. Right now, if, the moment you unplug that extra display, all of those windows get dragged over to your primary display, which can really mess up your workflow. Now with these um, groupings, you can actually minimize a preset layout. So if you have a layout with um, three or four windows on your other monitor, and you unplug it, it minimizes that entire layout group so that you're not disturbed, and if you plug that other monitor back in or redock your laptop, then it will un—I guess unminimize is the word or maximize—I don't know which one's more appropriate. So e- either way, the windows will reappear on that other monitor, which is an absolutely incredible feature, and will—it's it, definitely going to make life a lot easier for those. Um those of us who regularly dock and undock laptops, and going with my um, architecture side, when I move when I'm moving th- things around, I guess is the best word to put it. When I'm doing multi or when I'm doing other things where I need to move over or move a laptop over to a uh, desktop workspace. Being able to quickly resume work is an incredible thing. And that's, that's something that will save me a couple of minutes upon setup. That, and a couple of minutes can doesn't seem like a lot, but it can be a lot. And it saves quite a bit of frustration. So enough about that. Time for widgets. Widgets have been talked about in every single technology event that I've attended virtually this year. Apple talked about them. Google talked about them. And now Microsoft has talked about them. So with Windows 11 and changing the way the Start Menu works, instead of your live tiles which are being deprecated for Windows 11 there'll be widgets taking over and what that means is that you're going to have a little button on the taskbar there which if i i don't think i mentioned before is now centered i think there i believe there's an option to change it so it's um leaning toward- they're going all- they're going towards the left if you so desire but by default the taskbar will center the icons. There will be a little icon that you can select that will show what has been dubbed by Microsoft as a beautiful sheet of glass with your up-to-date information on it to be able to at a glance pick up certain- get certain information. And I'm going to 100% agree with the example that they used in the event. The Widgets device in Windows is meant to make sure that you don't need to break concentration if if you want to check on something fairly quickly. So instead of having to stop what you're doing on your laptop or desktop and pick up your phone or your tablet to catch up on what the weather's looking like, um, the latest news updates and etc cetera, etc cetera, you'll be able to do that straight from the uh little widgets panel personally, I think this will be an interesting idea, but at the same time um, i don't I don't know how much I'm going to use this because I know for me the widgets that I primarily use are my our calendar widgets, um, calendar widgets, weather widgets, um, and battery widgets. Th- those are the important ones for me. So having an entire side panel for this, I don't know how useful that will be and how customizable that will be, but I think it'll be interesting nonetheless. And obviously I'm one of the people who doesn't necessarily have Um, The latest and greatest in news on the side panel there I find I find that out separately so that I don't have any So the news isn't a distraction for me Another little interesting area of Windows is that they're adding in teams integration for those of you who aren't familiar with Microsoft teams um, Teams is there is Microsoft's platform that was first created for enterprise users, so people going to or using it for their workplace or their school, and myself included in that mix, I, I was one of the people advocating for access to that platform. Microsoft Teams has come a long way over the past year, and for good reason because we've needed. Uh, virtual platforms, uh, we've had a heavier reliance on the virtual platforms. So, no surprise that they put extra development power over there. But using it, you can chat, share files, um, video meet, and even meet on the fly pretty easily. It's simple, it's straightforward, and of recent they've made it available for people to use with their family and friends. And I cannot complain about this at all, because um, if I guess the best way to put it is that whichever platform is the most versatile to be used is the platform that's going to get used. Uh, Briefly cutting away from Windows 11, I saw an interview with... um, Craig Federighi from Apple and one of the questions asked was why is FaceTime finally going to be accessible, now going to be accessible on uh, Windows or Android at the very least through the browser and the response given was that with developments so that they can have an end-to-end encryption On the FaceTime call through the browsers because of a that that was one thing that they wanted to be able to use that feature but the primary reason was that if you have a group of friends and you want to meet with that group of friends if there's one person who doesn't have an Apple device you can't use FaceTime to talk with them I know I can't as nice as FaceTime is for me, I don't use it that often because the amount of people who I'd regularly talk with or video meet with didn't have Apple devices to be able to do it with, or at least not reliably. So instead of using FaceTime, I'm using other services. Well, Microsoft went and is by integrating teams and making it free to use for family and friends they're making it simpler to use, and I hate to say it, but they're actually making it so that more. I'm guessing that in the future, there are going to be quite a few people who end up using Teams primarily for a lot of things instead of um, what do you call it? other alternatives such as FaceTime and uh, iMessage. Don't get me wrong; they're, those are pretty great services. But with Teams being able to work on any device, I I have it on um, the iPad that's sitting in front of me right now. I have it on my laptop or my primary laptops, or laptop and desktop. Excuse me. And I, generally speaking, have it pretty accessible. And the reason for that is just because that's that's the one thing, that's one of the few things that's workable on any of the devices. And For those who are familiar with Skype, um, Microsoft, which Microsoft acquired and I think hasn't necessarily done the company a whole lot of good, or by company I mean Skype, they, there are a few downgrades to it. A lot of Skype functionality is being placed into Microsoft Teams, and I think, at some point, because of the increasing Teams integration, Skype is going to be um, either being completely integrated with Teams, or just being deprecated altogether. So, What the future has in store, I have yet to see. So, if you're not, if you aren't using that platform, by all means, give it a uh, look over, try it out, test it. If you don't like it, I'm sure you can work with uh, whatever else. But I think Teams is going to become s- soon enough something as commonly used as uh, FaceTime and iMessage. Just just because it works on whatever device you're using and because it's as seamless as it is. Another interesting thing, speaking of mobile devices, is that um, you can now get Android applications onto Windows 11. Through the Amazon App Store, which I believe is being Integrated, uh, having part of it integrated into the Microsoft App Store, users will be able to download Android applications that they can run straight on Windows. And do I feel like that's a good idea? Yes, and no. Um, when it, when you make mobile applications available on desktop or uh, environments that can be useful to make one one device a bl and end-all, but at the same time it can get distracting because um, let's say uh, you have social media applications on your um, phone or tablet, if they're not on your desktop, you're less likely to use that as a distraction when you're working on uh, the desktop. But, bringing it on there, you could increase the distractions, but then again, you also increase the functionality of having applications that you otherwise can't use because you don't have the mobile device. Okay, and now there's a Hornet. i a I know it's a slight off topic, but um, I, I just paused the recording because I managed to get a Hornet into the room in which I'm recording. So, had to take care of that slight problem. Because, um, let's just say, A, hornets create a lot of noise, and B, they aren't so happy when they can look at the outside, but they can't go there. So, I'll I'll let you uh, envision the fun that just happened. But, what I'm going to focus on go back to focusing on now, is the gaming, or I'm just talking about the Android applications for, um, what do you call it, the Android applications that are going to be available on the, available to Windows users. And pro, there are pros, there are cons, but All in all, I think it's a uh, pretty nice feature. The way I think it'll be a pretty nice feature. And I think what I was going for before the uh, hornet disturbed me is that for people who don't have a device that can download mobile applications, having something that can utilize, um, can take advantage of Android applications without needing to get a device that maybe you're not comfortable with getting or either for cost or use case reasons you can you don't need to you'll be able to do so straight from your desktop for gaming Xbox game pass will be coming to Windows 11 and what's the I don't I don't know how to put it for those who have it, it you will have seamless connect um connections with it and i believe that involves progress sharing so if you get somewhere on your console you can transfer that progress onto your pc without an issue so um not a ba- i don't i don't have an xbox i don't do the uh, xbox game services so for me this doesn't have play a big part but for the games that I do have auto HDR will be nice to be able to try and adapt games to an HDR format if they uh, don't support it natively. I don't think I have all the details straight on that but I that's that popped out to me during the event and reasonably so. If you have the If you have a proper HDR monitor, I think you'll be uh, pretty well off, and you'll also probably notice the difference. Now that I've I've talked about all of the uh, features, now it's time to talk about the minimum requirements you need to be able to utilize these features. So, first and foremost, you need a 1 GHz processor with a 2-core minimum. And when I first read that, I said, YES! My stuff should work fine. Or SOC, which is a uh, system on a chip. But the picky part is that it's not just any one of them. It needs to be one of the compatible processors. So... For Intel processors, it's pretty easy because anything eighth eighth generation or higher. And my favorite laptop is um, seventh generation. So, oops for me. You or a compatible AMD processor, and AMD doesn't exactly do doesn't do generations the way Intel does. So, if you want to check, they have a full list on their website that you can, Website under the uh, requirements that you can get to, to see if your specific device will do it. And the the other thing is they do have or Microsoft has a compatibility uh, checker in the PC Health app, which you can get straight from uh, straight from that website, and that will show you a a it will show you things about your uh, PC's health, and b it will show you the... what's the proper term for it? It You have a button that you can press to see if your PC is compatible with Windows 11 or if it'll support it. And now they've made a slight tweak to it to tell you why it won't do that. If If it's not compatible. Next, you'll need four gigabytes of RAM and I'm sorry but if you don't have four gigabytes of RAM and you're Trying to run Windows 10, I, I really feel bad for you. And if you do have 4 gigabytes, I still feel bad for you, because you need 8, I think, to run most of anything smoothly. And you need more if you want to run multiple things at once smoothly, without it jamming up. Also, for storage, you're going to need a 64-gigabyte drive or greater. So if you don't have that much storage then you're not going to be able to run the OS. You also need to have UEFI with um, secure boot compatibility. Um, TPM which stands for uh, Trusted Platform Module. Version 2.0 chip. Your graphics, uh, whatever graphics that your computer is using need to be DirectX 12 compatible, and your display needs to have be 9 inches or greater with a 720 pixel resolution or greater. And what that probably means, or what that means in theory, is that, um, or what I think that means is because a display isn't, it shouldn't bonk a display because of size, but I think if you have a small display and it, it Probably won't have that resolution to it, so it won't end up working. But I think is well, but I think if you're working on less than a nine-inch screen, then I think the only thing that really applies to might be something like a uh, really s- a small Windows tablet. But last but not least. I want to mention the two things that are required for Windows 11 Home only. So for Windows 11 Home on first startup, you need to have an internet connection. You won't be able to skip that. You won't be able to go through setup without the internet connection. And then the other thing that you'll need for a Windows 11 Home is a Microsoft account. So. Th- those are two pretty drastic changes from Windows 10. I don't, I don't necessarily know why Microsoft is doing this, but I think, to some degree, that or for me at least, um, I, I've always leaned, or I've always been more of a Windows um, Pro user myself. But this, or from this piece for me, would definitely make it so that I only want to use um, Windows 11 Pro. Not that I'll need to worry about it on any more than one device at the moment. So, my thoughts on it are, for me, my laptop, or my, I have a couple of laptops. Um, I have a couple of laptops that run Windows 10, some of them newer than others, but for the computers that even the newest of my laptops doesn't or won't work with Windows 11, so that means the rest, or the other ones that I have repurposed, won't be able to do so as well. And while this won't really have an immediate effect, it won't be something that tomorrow, uh oh, your device doesn't support Windows 11. You won't be able to uh, use it anymore. Sorry. No, uh, Microsoft is committed to servicing Windows 10 through October of 2025. With all luck, I think that will get extended a little bit. But after that point, you'll probably need to if you don't have Windows 11 or a Windows 11 compatible device, you'll probably need to upgrade at that point. The way I'm seeing this is that for Microsoft at least this or for many people this will be a I guess it's I guess the way to put it is it'll be the judgment day for many people's current daily drivers unless you've gotten a uh, unless you're either operating on an Apple computer or a pretty brand new um, Windows device and with respect to their competition I've previously given Microsoft a lot of credit because they do support a lot of older devices. And they've made it so that if you do have an older device, um, and one of my favorite things about the um, lineup of non-Apple devices is that you can make upgrades. Like one device I switched from a hard drive to an SSD and put Windows 10 on it and the computer went from being something that i would use if i needed to to something that i could reliably use on a daily basis and i guess my concern for the future of windows is that if they keep on this path how will they um what will they do to try and Keep that, or are they switching gears? In the sense of uh, what Apple has done, time and time again, of creating de- creating devices and then dropping software support for them x amount of years down the road. So, the whole the whole tricky part there is that it's bringing into question if app, if microsoft is following what apple and google are doing and cre- setting up a new software ecosystem where you upgrade your device every um, every 5 years or so and if you don't do it that if you try and push it past then by year 8 you have to do it and I'll say from my past experiences, some of the higher grade laptops, are, oh, there are quite a few laptops that have a higher upfront cost. But at the same time, you pay, a high, you pay a higher upfront cost to be able to use it smoothly for longer. And the lower the upfront cost, the lower the lifetime of the device. So I think the important thing that I'd like to see is that devices that you have or that are more expensive are supported for a longer amounts of time than those that aren't. Because at, at present, if you get something, a uh, low-end laptop you can get, you actually can get Windows laptops for a couple hundred bucks without a problem. They won't necessarily run smoothly, and I, I guess we'll we'll see where it's going. But that that that's my biggest concern about it. So, and um, for me at least, my I know that means that I have about a four year window before at least one of my devices, or before I need to get another Windows laptop. Because um, yes, you can run a computer running an older version of Windows, but after the end of support date, you won't be able to utilize. Uh, you won't be able to get your security updates, and in today's day and age, that's a pretty big kicker. Because a security update can be the difference between someone utilize or someone. Getting a, we stopped this malicious thing from doing something, and uh oh, all your files are now encrypted, and you have to pay 500 bucks in Bitcoin if you ever want to see them again. So, that's where I stand. From the up, I guess the bonus point if you have a custom PC is that if you do need to make changes you should be able to just make a couple of tweaks and be able to make the appropriate changes. Like after the TPM requirement came to light, uh, scalpers start really started going after the available TPM chips to be able to use on uh, computers. Because at present you can't uh, At present there are a lot of devices that don't have the chip but if you have a custom computer you can add the chip onto it so now for the fun part that everyone's been waiting for microsoft's stabs at the competition there were a number of things said during the event that if you've been following um tech news enough you will have recognized as slight stabs at their competition. Microsoft, I guess I want to use the term the big three because Microsoft, Apple, and Google are pretty big in the technology industry and each of them competes with the other. And Amazon does um I guess Amazon competes with uh, Google and Microsoft for some components of business but they're not they're not full they're not as competitive with um not as competitive with Apple I guess they they do offer a couple of products. Don't get me wrong. So the Fire tablet, you could say, is sort of iPad competition. But I, for software-wise, and when when I'm thinking about technology and computers, I think it, I think the big three are Microsoft, Apple, and Google. Because um, if you have a mobile device it runs on either ios or android and don't quote me on this but i think the amazon fire tablets are realistically um modified versions of android I think that's the case but once again don't quote me on it Taking- Taking that into account, you know that Google and Apple both make those operating systems, and now Google has the um, and now all three of them create desktop and mobile operating systems because you can buy a Windows tablet. So the big stabs that Microsoft took, and I'll I'll explain. So if you watch it, watch the uh, review, you'll be able to or watch the event you'll be able to pick out the stabs now and who they were after. First one was that the PC should mold to you, not the other way around. That one is a pretty big stab directed at Apple. And less so, but still, still sort of Google. Apple is right now er, in a notoriously slippery position between the iPad and the Mac. And with the latest WWDC, they didn't mention an intention to bring macOS to the iPad, which a lot of people are calling for because Apple is marketing the iPad Pro as a computer, yet it has a lot of limitations. Like. it doesn't have a weather application on it. It doesn't have. It doesn't have a few applications on it. The dock can only be at the bottom of the screen. Um, what else is there? You can't sideload applications. So on a Mac, you can actually, if you want to, you can download an application from somewhere other than the App Store. You can't do that on an iPad, or at least not easily. And the cursor on an iPad is the little, basically, moving fingerprint that you can move around to where you need. So Apple has kept a significant; it wants to almost keep the two separate. So even if you do hook up a keyboard and a mouse, it's still designed as the iPads designed as a touch, touch input thing, and the Mac is designed as a keyboard and mouse thing with no touch, you can't get a Mac with a touch screen. You can modify a Mac so it has a touch screen, but you can't buy one with it. And what Microsoft is saying is that their devices can, if you want to touch it, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But the device will do what you need it to, and without you needing to uh, change what you're doing to work with the device. Another piece is that they should be affordable, which is also a stab at Apple because Google Chromebooks are or Google Chromebooks are pretty inexpensive, and whereas Apple devices are notably not as expensive. And I'm not going to go into a Mac versus PC because they both and anyone who's arguing with someone else because of or between the difference between the operating systems all you can all I can say is that they each have their advantages so you need to get the right one for you and what you're doing the last stab was the mic was one for developers really is that the Microsoft App Store supports external payment platforms and that, that's one of the areas where Microsoft has been good with, and with uh, Windows and um, the Mac, you can get um, applications from elsewhere that support whatever payment platform the developer is using where the developer doesn't have to pay the platform creator for the ability to use. And that one, and because of that, if you're using your own payment platform, you don't pay a commission to Microsoft, or at least not in the Microsoft App Store. With the Xbox, there's a slightly different set of rules, so I think you're still stuck paying a fifteen percent uh fee for that. But it's a stab at. It's realistically a stab at a lot of people, but primarily at both Google and Apple. reason for that is that both Google and Apple have, set, have sort of reduced their fees. So I think, i th- went over this some previous point, but it's basically 15% until you make a million bucks, and then once you hit that threshold, then you're paying 30%. And one of the two, one... That 15% rate applies, to, I think Google, 15% rate applies to the first million. And then after everything after that is 30%, whereas Apple just looks at it from how much you made in the year. So we'll see. All I all I can tell you is that each device and each operating system is designed to work with a specific subset of users. And right now Microsoft is definitely taking the lead on getting the most versatile devices. So that Windows is right right now I can I can say that of the desktop operating systems, Windows is the most versatile for using either for touch input or keyboard input mm, keyboard and mouse input. So I'm not taking stabs at any of them because all three all three of them are useful in their own ways. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, once again, be sure to vote for us in the uh, Roadcast competition. And if you enjoyed this podcast, or if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And you can also go to anchor.fm slash where you can listen to any previous episode as well as finding links to your favorite platforms. You can also interact by leaving a voice message or support the podcast. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a review if you enjoyed. And last but not least, if you want to see the action, although I am not, I did tell the camera to stop recording when I was having the hornet problem, so there's no excitement there. Sorry. You can see the rest of the action, though, on YouTube, no problem. So I hope you enjoyed, take care, and I'll see you next time.